Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. The story you're about to hear is a true birth story. It's the real deal, and it may not be appropriate for sensitive ears. On today's episode... I went in for my final appointment, and he was still breech. I, at a certain point, just put my hands up and said, you know, he is going to come into the world the way that he wants. And it's really just my job to facilitate that. And if this is the way he wants to be born, I'm going to get myself out of the way. You know, I can still have a beautiful birth experience and have a C-section. And that is exactly what I got. My birth experience was, I mean, there's nothing I could imagine wanting to be any different. It was so special and so beautiful. Hello and welcome to episode four. Hi, thanks for joining us. I have a really fun conversation for you guys today. I'm talking to a new mom who tells us what it's like to have a baby who's in the breech position during pregnancy and what happens when that baby doesn't flip and you have to schedule a C-section. She talks about what a C-section is like, what it feels like, what it's like to recover from one, how to mentally prepare for delivering a baby in a way that you didn't really expect to. We talk about reasons to get a doula. She tells me something she wishes she had done differently in her postpartum hospital stay to advocate for herself better. And we also have a really interesting talk about postpartum sex, specifically about having sex after you have a C-section. Today is another vulnerable and candid conversation, as usual, all about the experience of a woman becoming a mother. I'm your host, Christy Williams, and this is Birth. When you were a young woman, a little girl growing up, coming into your own, Mm -hmm. what were your thoughts on motherhood? What was your, did you ever think about someday wanting to be a mother? Did you ever think about what birth Mm -hmm. might be like? Where were you at with that? Yeah. Growing up, I had always had this sort of inherent idea that I eventually would have kids and have a family and my family is huge and I'm the oldest of well, actually, no, I'm the second oldest of like 14 cousins. So I got to see a lot of babies being born as I was coming up and how exciting it is. And I fell in love with every one of my cousins and my siblings. And so I was like, this is what I'm going to do eventually someday. That changed as I came into my like young adulthood. And I was going through the period of time where I was really wanting to be an actor. And the idea of starting a family kind of got further and further away as I was kind of pursuing the career that I thought I wanted. And life kind of took over at that point in different ways. I had gotten married and I had gotten divorced shortly after that. And I was focused on so many other things. And then it wasn't until I met my partner that I actually started having that desire again to really Mm. have a family, to be a mom. And um, it was really great. It, It was a feeling of like, Oh, it's like coming back home almost. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's really special. It it really did kind of create that desire in me again, even though my son was a surprise (laughs) and unplanned. You know, we were planning it in our minds and Mm. talking about it and having those discussions, but it certainly wasn't like we're now intending to try to make this happen. Wow. Um, 
yeah, it was like, okay. Wow. So tell me, tell me that what <laughs> happened, you know, you, you just go like, hmm, uh, maybe I'm pregnant. It was really interesting. There's some kind of backstory around what led to this point. When I was 24 years old, I had an emergency myomectomy. So I had a fibroid burst. Oh, okay. Um, I've never heard of what that is. Okay. And it was super, super scary. As a result of that, my doctors had said, no more hormonal birth control for you. Oh, wow. It just makes your body grow things that it shouldn't be growing, basically. So my birth control plan has <laughs> always been a little bit kind of fluid, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I had to start tracking at that point right. um, because a, a copper IUD wasn't an option for me either. So I sort of brought my partner into the way that I had managed this for so many years, mm -hmm. which had worked really well up until now. <laughs> Were you always very regular in your Very cycle? regular. Okay. And I had been using a tracking app um, for a long time. And it was, I mean, I would get the ding that my cycle was starting the day that it happened. I mean, I had, it was like clockwork, which is what made it such a surprise. Right. And I remember I went to a hot yoga class and left that class feeling awful, <laughs> which was not ever my experience. You know, I mean, I go to hot yoga because I feel amazing when I leave. Right. So mm -hmm. then I go home and I'm like, I just need to take a shower and Maybe I'm dehydrated. Go to take off my bra and wince in pain. My breasts were so tender and I'm thinking, oh my God. And in my mind, I hear this voice say like, just take a test. Mm. I'm like, I'm not, no, this is silly. I had kind of been spotting. I'm like, I'm fine. I'll take a test to just ease my mind. Uh, and it was bright pink lines. Immediately. Immediately. And my partner was out of town. He had been out of town for three weeks directing a play in Washington State. We weren't supposed to see each other for another 10 days. And I remember sitting back on the toilet thinking, how did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> because also in the way that we, you know, the way that we had always worked out our intimate life was – a sort of, I guess, tantric version of a pullout method, right? Mm -hmm. So we were missing a very, what I thought required step. And when I went into my first eight-week appointment, I said, you know, how did this happen? I mean, you and I, to my doctor, you and I have been working on how I can, you know, practice safe sex without the hormones and all this. And she said, some couples are just really fertile together. And... Mm -hmm you know, pre-ejaculate is a real thing. And I'm thinking, oh my God, that is what they tell you in high school to like, you know, <laughs> yes. make you afraid of doing it. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm one of these 1%. And it really, what it, what it said to, um, to my partner and I was really just like, this is a soul that just wants to be here. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna, we're gonna do it. Yes. Yeah. He was waiting for an entrance. Yeah, he was. And he was, I can, I just know that he was probably thinking, if I wait for you two to get it together, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Oh, that's such a great story. Yeah. So funny. did you call your partner right away or did you wait till I came home? Yeah, I did. I, I called him well, right away. Was I, he just in shock? Yeah. I said, I need to talk to you. And he goes, oh, okay. Um, let me just go outside really quickly. 
And so he walks outside and I said, I'm pregnant, like very unceremoniously. I just sort of blurted it out. And he said, oh, um, I'm shopping for props right now. I didn't think that that is what this um, was going to be about. And um, I'm going to need to call you back. (laughs) Oh, my God. Love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, it was the beginning of many conversations. Oh, my God. Now, this is a little bit of a touchy subject. Sure. But was this the first time that you've ever been pregnant? No, it wasn't. I was pregnant two other times before. And both times, interestingly, was when I had been on hormonal birth control. Wow. You mm-hmm. are a, a random statistic. Yeah. Very, wow. very, very strange. And both of the times, it was very much a clear choice for me at that time. The first time was um, I had just been in a relationship with someone that wasn't good for me. Again, I was in this space where I thought I was being really responsible and it just didn't it didn't work out necessarily that way. And I had had that the termination of that pregnancy the day before that fibroid rupture. Oh, wow. So it was a huge weekend. (laughs) for me. No kidding. Yeah. And then the second time around, it was a little bit more of a conversation with that person where we decided, you know, it just isn't the right time. Mm -hmm. And I remember the day that I had that termination, I was also in a play at the time and I had to go and do a performance the night of. And it's very, um, you know, I look back on both of those, those experiences and I don't have regret. I know that I made the right choice. But I think that, especially now, having had my son, those really were, it really was that first experience that touches on what it feels like to be a mother, where Mm. you're really considering someone else's existence in a way you never have. And it was, they were both really powerful experiences for me. How could it not be? Yeah. And it's true. It's like the moment from conception Mm -hmm. as a woman. And I mean, I'm not a man, I'm not a father, so I don't know what their experience is, but it's immediate. I remember when my pee stick turned, you know, the line went immediately. Actually it was a digital one. So it just said pregnant. And Mm. I was like, oh, this is happening right, right now. Yeah. And the immediacy of that, like mm-hmm. it definitely, it's a it's a big burden and a big, you know, yeah. a responsibility. And women carry that in a way that men will never understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that for that reason, the narrative around, you know, a subject as touchy as, as touchy as abortion is to me so unfair Because no matter who you are, no matter what the circumstances are, you can't get away from that feeling. Mm -hmm. You can't get away from the feeling of, oh, God, now I have to consider it. Even if it's somebody who is like, nope, I know for sure this isn't for me. They know for sure it's not for them because they've considered the weight of the experience. So I just think that this sort of narrative that a woman could make this choice willy-nilly or selfishly is, um, I just don't think that that's real. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely not real. There's (laughs) nothing, there's nothing more intense than that. Yeah. Um, so 
Fast forward. Yeah. Here you are. You're pregnant. Mm-hmm. How's your pregnancy? How's the first trimester? How's it going for you? My pregnancy was easy. You know, it was an easy pregnancy. I mean, I say that in relationship to some of my friends' pregnancies. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had friends who had hyperemesis mm-hmm. and I've had friends who were, who were, yeah. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. that's, not at all my situation. Um, that said, it was challenging for me in a lot of different ways. My Everybody f- has different challenges. Totally. There's no comparison. Yeah. That's why we want to hear the whole spectrum. Because <laughs> totally. if you think it's easy for someone in some area, it's probably really, really shitty at postpartum or totally, something. You know? Totally. And I just think that while my experience may be, you know, statistically easy, there isn't really such a thing as easy when it comes to pregnancy or being a mom. And um, my first trimester was a challenge. I had really bad morning sickness, but I never actually threw up, which made it almost worse. Yeah. Because there was just no relief. Yeah. And I, my food aversions came on so strong. Really? Yeah. Kind of instantly. It was very, it was fascinating and so frustrating. What sort of aversions did you have? I mean, I was a, I had aversion to not just food, but like there were periods where I had aversions to my house. Hmm. I had an aversion to my neighborhood. I remember sitting in my bedroom, laying down in my bed, being able to smell our garbage disposal and thinking, I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) I cannot get far enough away from this kitchen. (laughs) That was crazy. And it really just felt like a three-month-long hangover. Mm -hmm. It is true that a woman's sense of smell is greatly heightened during early pregnancy. The reason for this is blamed on those old friends that we love, hormones. The increase in estrogen during pregnancy creates an increase of sensitivity in a woman's sense of smell, and this is considered to be sort of an evolutionary advantage that women have to protect their unborn children from toxins and other poisons that they might ingest. If you're finding your smell aversions really hard to handle, Here's a good tip. Carry around a little essential oil roller with you and try to inhale another smell that's a little more pleasing to you to combat the smell that is so disgusting you can't even handle it. Hang in there, mama. But I do remember the moment that the clouds parted Mm. coming out of that first trimester and really feeling amazing. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Good. My second trimester, I felt so great. And then... My third trimester was terrible. In fact, the third trimester was probably worse for me than the first trimester. Okay, tell me about it. I kind of waited until toward the end to gain most of my weight. And I ended up gaining almost 40 pounds throughout my whole pregnancy, actually pushing 50 pounds. And I had so much hip pain. My ligament pain was outrageous. I couldn't sleep. I was having a really hard time moving around. And also my son was Frank Breach. Oh, uh, explain that. So that is when um, baby is sitting up. His head was in my ribs. And the difference between Breach and Frank Breach is when they're just regular Breach, their feet are down at the bottom. Um, Frank Breach is when their feet are folded up. By their ears. Oh, wow. So he was folded in half? So he was kind of folded in half, yeah. And his head was so huge and was pushing into my ribs 
kind of all the time. So laying down was so painful. Probably hard to breathe. Really hard to breathe. So I and it ended up getting to a point where I wasn't even really able to even take short walks without getting lightheaded. Which doesn't help your mental space, which no. doesn't help the weight gain, which doesn't help no. anything. And I remember really towards the end of that experience, really feeling like locked in. And I just remember calling my mom every day, just crying, telling her how miserable I was. I'm like, I cannot wait to not be pregnant anymore. And I felt so sad because I had, you know, friends who had their big, beautiful bellies and were talking about how they felt like goddesses. And I'm like, that is not my experience. <laughs> I think that's most people. Yeah, experience. totally. Yeah. And I was just, I mean, my my partner still talks about the sounds I would make, like getting up or <laughs> yes. sitting down. And <laughs> uh, you know, what? I bet if I asked my husband, he would remember that too. Because like, I forgot. But yes, nighttime, mm-hmm. especially was just the indigestion oh. and the back aches and yeah. you know the constant moving around i remember i used to like turn over and look at him just sleeping so soundly I know. Oh my and gosh. be like so angry <laughs> that yeah. guys aren't the ones who get pregnant i know oh my gosh i totally know that feeling uh, so well but yeah I, eventually i was given the okay to take some baths because my back pain was so intense at certain points i was put on I know they don't call it bed rest anymore. They call it something else. But hmm. for the for the sake of the conversation, I was put on a temporary bed rest. Um, because of his breach position or why? Because I um, – so I, I'm a co-owner of a comic book label and I write comic books. And so I was also attending conventions throughout my pregnancy. And we did one of our bigger shows, which is called WonderCon. And I had gone down, this was, I was probably about four and a half weeks out. And I was sitting the whole time, but I was definitely up and moving around and talking and, you know, exerting energy. And after that, I had had kind of three, no, two days straight of diarrhea. Mm. And my mom said, you need to call your doctor. So I called her and I said, this is what's going on. And she said, that can be a sign of preterm labor. You need to get off your feet and, you know, just really take it easy for this next week. I want you to only eat these foods. And so I was okay. But I was like, do not come out early. (laughs) What what week was that? Sorry. That would have been. Or around what time? Week. Actually, I think I was a little less than a month out. So that had to be 33, 34 weeks, right around there. Okay. So getting there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely getting there. So I took it easy. But after that, everything was fine. And uh, I went in for my final appointment and he was still breech. Okay. So that was when the doctor said that we're doing scheduled C-section. Okay. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Had you had a birth plan before mm-hmm. that? And what was your birth plan before you found out? Um, our We had gone through the whole birth class. We were educated on the different phases of labor, the best ways to labor, laboring at home versus laboring at the hospital, all of the different options that mm-hmm. you have and roping your, your partner in on this so that he's able to advocate for you um, mm-hmm. when you can't advocate for yourself and talking about having a doula mm-hmm. and what that offers you. And so we put together this plan that we would have our doula there and that it was really just going to be my partner and I. My family is very challenging. 
especially in high stress situations. So we really wanted to have somebody who could be a go-between so that we didn't have to worry about kind of managing our family members when they're in an emotional state, you know, that's interesting. So is that something Mm -hmm. I didn't choose to hire a doula? Yeah, I actually, oddly enough, emailed several postpartum doulas and well, well, three of them and none of them responded. Yeah. So I just didn't get one. Mm -hmm. But in hindsight, I felt like I was pretty well taken care of afterwards Mm -hmm. for a few different reasons. One of them being the postpartum nurse I had in the hospital was I think about her still probably once a week. She was incredible. I would love to have her on here. Yeah. She was amazing. And also my husband was great. But my impression of getting a doula beforehand was like, well, what are they really going to do for me? But this is a good reason, I Mm -hmm. think. If you have a challenging family, I didn't have family in the hospital, but that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. If you are going to have your family there, then I totally see the doula being a liaison. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of situations that they could help you with the doctors too, but Mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense to me. I never thought about that before. Yeah. And it was, that was also something that was brought up in that birth class. She said, these are, you know, these are some ways that you can utilize a doula that you might not know about. And having a doula that really understands the sort of politics of the way um, a labor floor works in a hospital and things like this can really help you have a, just a more empowered experience and, I can't speak to that because I didn't labor, but um, it was great to have put together that plan to yeah. know that I had more control over the experience than I thought, mm-hmm. which I think is is a really great thing for mothers at any point, yes. whether it's in your pregnancy or the newborn phase or you know moving forward, that there are ways that you can have a sense of control when there's Mm -hmm. so much about being a mom that is just totally out of control, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's true. So you found out that you had to do a scheduled C-section about how far, like before your deadline, your due date, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) How far before your due date did you find out you had to have a scheduled C-section? It was my last appointment, which I think happened at 35 weeks. Okay. Maybe 36 weeks. And... My OB, who I adore, she broke the news very gently. Mm. And I said, you know what? I had a feeling that was going to happen. You know, our the birth coach had given us all the, oh, what's it called? Spinning babies. All of those moves, you oh, know, yeah, to try to get yeah. baby to flip. Yeah, And we had tried a few of them, but I had also sort of, in the later half of my pregnancy, had really just started kind of keying into him and his energy and really kind of getting to know this little spirit, you know, and I, at a certain point, just put my hands up and said, you know, he is going to come into the world the way that he wants. And it's really just my job to facilitate that. And if this is the way he wants to be born, I'm going to get myself out of the way. You know, I can still have a beautiful birth experience and have a C-section. And that is exactly what I got. My birth experience was I mean, I, there's nothing I could imagine wanting to be any different. It was so special and so beautiful. Oh, that's awesome to hear that. Yeah. Tell me what how it went. Tell me what happened. Well, the neat thing was it was kind of like, you know, walking into a hair appointment. You know, uh-huh. they the hospital said your appointment's at 7 a.m. on the 2nd, which was the day after my birthday. So my doctor said that my 39 weeks, which 
when your babies breach and you're having a scheduled C-section, they're going to nine times out of 10 schedule your C-section at 39 weeks. Because if you go into labor with a breached baby, nine times out of 10, that means an emergency C-section if you're delivering at a hospital, which I had to do because I had had that blood transfusion from that big Mm -hmm. surgery, which that puts me at risk for bleeding out. And Mm -hmm. um, I also have a rare blood type. So my doctor had said from the get-go, you're delivering in a full hospital or I won't be delivering you. Mm. And I'm like, that's not an option. (laughs) I need you. So full hospital it is, you know? So they said 5am on the second, my doctor let my son and I have our own birthdays. (laughs) And um, I had kind of pushed for wanting to do May 4th because may the 4th be with you. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And she said, (laughs) I'm not going to let you go more than a day. So I'm like, all right, May 2nd it is. You're so awesome. And um, I remember, oh my gosh, we woke up thinking this is a day, right? It's 4.30 in the morning in Los Angeles. And we just sort of grab our stuff and get in the car ready for this real easy trip to the hospital. And, you know, we don't do GPS or Waze or anything like that because we're like, it's 4.30 in the morning. No one's on the road. We get on the 10 and... It is completely stopped, standstill. And I'm thinking, oh my God, we need to get off of this freeway. Wait. It's time for Fun Facts You Didn't Know About Giving Birth. After you give birth, your hormones are adjusting rapidly. And your body is getting used to not being pregnant anymore. And one of the symptoms of this drop in your estrogen levels is night sweats. A lot of women wake up covered in sweat during the first few weeks after giving birth. I did several times, so much so that I had to change my shirt and once my sheets. A few tips to help you through this is just to keep water nearby, wear breathable clothes, use lightweight sheets. If you're feeling really unwell or you're running a temperature, then contact your doctor. But otherwise, just know that these postpartum hot flashes are temporary. And uh, another normal side effect of giving birth. <laughs> it's such a fun fact. And now back to the show. We need to get off this freeway. And we're just stuck. And I even, there's a police officer right next to us kind of blocking this exit. And I lean out the window and I said, you need to help me. I'm having a baby. I need to get to the hospital. And the, the police officer said, we, you know, we just heard that it's going to start moving really soon. And he drove away. And I'm like, oh my God no, 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 you need to help me. Like, I thought this was going to be like the movies, like this police officer is going to give us like a police escort to the hospital or whatever. Not the case. And so we sat there and I'm thinking, I'm going to miss my C-section appointment because of LA traffic? You're kidding me. This cannot be the way that this happens. So finally it clears and we drive past probably the worst accident I've ever seen in all the years that I've lived in Southern California, which is my whole life, which put the day into this already very extreme perspective, you know, like these people absolutely lost their lives in this wreck and I'm getting, here I am getting ready to go and bring a new life into the world. Mm. It was very sobering. Yeah. And so we pull up to the hospital and they kind of are like, let's get you going. And I, you know, super calm. Our doula was there and 
they were going to let her be in the room with us, which meant a lot to me. And um, my anesthesiologist was absolutely wonderful and so sweet. And we talked about books and all kind, like, you know, he heard I was a writer and we were discussing that. And my epidural was real easy. We had a playlist that we had built, uh, my partner and I, for this experience. And I was, I just remembered laying there thinking, wow, this is really neat. The team was wonderful. I, you know, I had my doctor there and. Did you have any moment of fear at all? I really didn't. And it's funny. I, I was thinking so much about that major surgery that I had had when I was 24 and how terrified I was that day. And what was interesting is I had had a procedure really similar to a C-section, it was just to remove this giant fibroid. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was laying there thinking, wow, this is so different. I'm awake and I'm experiencing this. I'm not by myself. It isn't scary. It isn't rushed. And I remember them, you know, when you when you have a C-section, you're laying on your back and there's, a sh- there's kind of a drape mm-hmm. over you. And I remember being able to feel more than I thought. I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to feel anything at all. But um, Oh, describe how it felt. Yeah, I didn't feel – you can't – I didn't really feel any pain, but you certainly feel pressure and you mm-hmm. feel like pushing and pulling. So I could feel – actually feel when they were – when they pulled him out. him out. And I couldn't see anything, obviously. But I remember hearing him cry and taking this huge breath in just like <gasps> – oh my gosh, this is the moment. Mm. This is the moment. This is so amazing. And then they lifted him up over the drape and they just laid him across my neck. And I was like, everybody was right. Every single thing that every other mother had told me is Mm -hmm. absolutely right. You have no words, Mm -hmm. none. There's no way to describe that moment. And I could feel his little hand in my mouth and his little voice and I mean, thinking about it now just makes me so emotional because it was really such a beautiful moment and everybody was congratulating me and my partner was there and, you know, one of our favorite songs is playing and as he comes into, as he comes into the world. And um, I should also mention that I found out I was pregnant on the 10 year anniversary of that major surgery that almost killed me. Oh, wow. So that was also very trippy yeah was it healing in some way this really was and there were so many other very powerful kind of symbolic experiences like one of those symbolic experiences was my ob had to cut out my original scar to make the new one and i thought to myself wow what a powerful bookend for those 10 years of my life you know so it was a very beautiful moment my postpartum experience in the hospital was absolutely terrible. So I was oh. really glad to have had such a powerful and just really beautiful delivery experience. But yeah, the days I spent in the hospital afterwards were just terrible. How many days were you there? Four. Four days. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is and- pretty standard post-C-section. Okay. So they get him out. What's the chain of events? And also, you mentioned your partner a few times. What was his reaction in those mm-hmm. first moments? Um, emotional. He was very emotional. He is already a very sort of emotionally deep and expressive person. And he was just speechless and 
just taking all of it in. And, you know, those early moments of him holding our son were so, so special. And he was just so proud and instantly in love. And I felt very, very cared for and very seen by him, which felt so great. You know, the postpartum experience itself can can just be so difficult when you feel like you are invisible. And um, in those first couple days, I just felt very seen and very held by my partner. So I am so grateful for that. That's awesome. Yeah. So you you have the surgery mm-hmm. and then tell me why the postpartum experience in the hospital mm-hmm. wasn't ideal, let's just say. It wasn't ideal for a handful of reasons. I was taken up to my room. My bed was really uncomfortable. I I don't know what kind of bed I was in, but it was almost like a triage bed. And it was like this inflatable kind of mattress that had a pump that was going all the time that was really loud. And I was constantly having to like ask for water and call several times to follow up on, on things like that. And there were several times that my partner had to actually walk out to the nurse station because our calls weren't being answered. And at one point we did get notice from one of the nurses that two women had come in with twins, giving birth to twins. So their nursing staff was stretched really thin. And even though we were like, wow, that is a little bit crazy, we were still like, you know, we should at least be able to like get water in a timely manner or, and then there, people just weren't communicating with me. No one told me that I needed to be changing my pad. No one told me that I needed to be using the Perry bottle. What? Yeah. And I just felt very, very, very unsupported by the nursing staff at this hospital. How are you managing your pain level with the surgery? How was that? The doctor had ordered many doses of oxycodone, which is safe to take when you are breastfeeding. And then along with that, doses of ibuprofen every eight hours. So every four hours, I was having these mini doses of oxycodone and then the Motrin. But the first day, I was feeling very medicated. Um, And so I said, you know, I'm going to just do half the dose of the pain med and see how that goes. And by the afternoon of the day after, I was in so much pain that I could barely even take a deep breath. So I said, I need to go back to the full dose. Mm -hmm. But then shortly after that, I started kind of noticing like my vision was blurring and I was seeing two of things. I was falling asleep and coming in kind of in and out of consciousness. And then by the last evening, I turned to my partner and said, I'm really not doing well. I feel like I'm going to be sick. I don't know what's happening. And He called the nurses to come in and they came in and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I think this might be a reaction to my pain medication, which nobody spoke to me about. No one said, hey, if you start to feel X, Y, Z, let us know. That might mean that your pain meds are, you know, it might be too much. Nothing like that. Wow. And so she, this nurse comes in and was basically blaming me for taking too much pain medication And saying, you know, you have a really petite frame and these are narcotics. And I said, I'm not self-administering this medication to myself if that is what you are suggesting. I'm taking the medicine that's ordered for me and it's just not agreeing with me. And my partner had said, you know, if I hadn't been holding the baby, I would have had a very strong reaction to the way that she was treating you. Hmm. Um, it was very shaming. And I, you know, I don't know if it's because the hospitals obviously want to sort of cover their ass in, in situations like this, but 
it was just another thing that made me feel like they weren't on my team or that I was inconveniencing them in some way. And and then later on that night, a nurse gave us incorrect information about our baby losing weight and how we needed to supplement with formula and didn't show us how to feed him with a syringe to give him colostrum. And then I had ended up pumping all of this colostrum, which is so difficult. Yeah. And we thought we were doing it the right way. He ended up throwing all of it up. And I was just, I mean, that night was really dark. Yeah. Um, and again, there was just no one around. It was just my partner and I trying to fig- trying to manage this completely new experience, having wow. no idea what we were doing. Yeah. Wow, that's so shocking to me. So the hospital didn't provide a lactation consultant for you? The lactation anybody? consultant came in the next morning. Okay. And then when she was in, I said, you know, they told me that I might not be making enough milk. And I had had colostrum that I had pumped overnight sitting on my nightstand um, to get ready to, to feedings throughout the morning. And she said, you know, what's, well, what's this? And I said, that's the colostrum that I pumped for the morning. And she said, you're fine. I don't know who told you that you aren't making enough milk, but this is more than above average. So here's my card. Call me when you get home and I can take you through what you need to know. And my partner and I just looked at each other and we were like, we just went through that horrible night for nothing. Mm. But the gift in having had such just a really terrible experience in the hospital, it not only kind of kickstarted our parental instincts, mm. you know, we kept looking at each other thinking, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. We, I don't think he needs formula. Why don't I just try to keep trying to nurse him, you know? And um, we also were just ready to go home. And I had had so many friends who had anxiety about leaving the hospital after giving birth because they felt so cared for, right? But we just could not wait to get home and to just be with him and to get in control of the rhythm and really learn about how we were going to sort of be in this new experience. And so in that way, it really was a gift because we were like, we got it. We can, yeah. we're ready to go home. So what would you tell someone that might be in a similar situation? Like how can they help themselves? Or is there a way to, that someone can advocate for themselves? It is hard to advocate for yourself, especially when you're sleep deprived. Yeah. And especially when you have a brand new baby, that's just, here you go. <laughs> yeah. And all those other pressures. But yeah. I'm curious, is there anything that you would do differently then? Yeah, I think that looking back, I would have been more okay with just being, quote, a difficult patient. And that is something I think that was a really big first lesson for me in motherhood and in being a mom is that sometimes you have to just sort of let go of what are they going to think? Am I, am I going to, are people going to judge me for being difficult? Are they going to judge me for being high strung or, you know, whatever. I really wish I could have said to them the way that you're being is completely inappropriate. And I need for you to just listen to my needs and just do your best to help me get what those needs are. I just had a major surgery and I'm in a lot of pain. I think that's a really powerful piece of advice Mm because I think a lot of women in particular probably struggle with not wanting to be quote unquote bitchy mm-hmm. or difficult or oh, yeah. all these ideas that we have that we're not supposed to be. But when you're going through something as extreme as birth yeah. and healing from your birth, then you need help. 
Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to ask for help. And if yeah. you're not happy with how things are going, yeah. you kind of have to be the squeaky wheel. Yeah, exactly. It's a powerful lesson, I think, for any woman because we are almost conditioned to not need help, to not ask for help. I got it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still learning this lesson Me every too. day. Me too. Where, <laughs> um, you know, my partner says, just ask. I don't know what you need. Please just ask me for help when you need it. It's difficult to get to that point of vulnerability. And the whole experience of birth is so vulnerable anyways. Mm -hmm. I mean, pregnancy and birth and then healing from that. It's you cannot do it alone. I mean, that's that for me is also the first lesson. Oh, yeah. You have to accept help and rely on other Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And I'm still learning that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you got home finally, Mm -hmm. what were the first few days at home? Like the first few days at home were rough. Okay. Yeah. The, my, my landing into that postpartum, that fourth trimester, right. It was rough. It was really rocky. So many things I didn't expect to feel emotionally or physically emotionally. Um, and physically, I, you know, I had had that experience of kind of having a C-section already, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in in that early part of my 20s. So I, I knew what to expect in terms of the physical healing that I was going to be experiencing. And oddly enough, my body bounced back from the C-section surgery shockingly fast. I couldn't oh, believe it. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't know why, but when I had originally had this procedure, I was down and out for six weeks. But this time around, I was up been moving around probably after three weeks. So I have never had a C-section. Oh, okay. Um, So I'm just curious. And also for many of the listeners who probably have no concept. Yeah. What is it like caring for your, your C-section? So, I mean, caring for the, for the scar, there isn't a whole lot you have to do. Interestingly enough, you can't take baths. That's one thing that was a bummer. Yeah. And the way that it worked for me was I had had sutures and then those were covered with surgical glue. So I would highly, highly, highly recommend. I mean, I just used Belly Bandit, but any of those brands will work. Is that Um, just sort of a... um, Yeah, it's a wrap. A wrap, okay. And then they also have C-section recovery briefs. And those briefs create a compression that also leaves like a really soft sort of patch of fabric for where your scar is. That's a great invention. Oh my gosh. They saved my life because there really is so much. I mean, I imagine too, postpartum for for women who have vaginal births, just feeling like, you know, my guts are falling out right now. I really need some support. So highly recommend that. And then it really is just about staying on top of pain. Sitting up and getting up is a real challenge. So having somebody near you who can help you, you know, pick up your baby and Mm -hmm. um, who can really help you get up and move around, that's a big one. Luckily, my OB prepared me for that and said, you need to get outside and be in the sun for at least 20 minutes a day because you you can't really walk around for the first two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Walking is really difficult. And I was also living upstairs, so I couldn't really go downstairs without a lot of help and... So um, just go outside, get in the sun, and sit in the sun. Yeah, get in the sun, sit in the sun, be outside. It would have been really easy for me to just lay in bed all day, and it's just not great for 
your mind, for your body, for your healing, yeah. um, getting outside was I've, I've found that that's been really important the entire postpartum experience, yeah. you know, you can feel oh, yeah. really landlocked sometimes even after totally. you're done healing. That's really good advice. Yeah, it was great. And then mentally. Mm. Prior to becoming a mom, I have struggled with chronic depression. So I, it was something that I had been prepared for. I have a really wonderful therapist who specializes in postpartum and in um, just family therapy. I had been seeing her as an, as an individual person for a long time. And she said, here are the signs, you know, just, so just keep an eye out. And a few days after getting home, I really was, I mean, the first, the first sign of it was I had had a day where I could not stop crying. Yeah. I just couldn't stop. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, this was a mistake. I messed up. I wasn't supposed to be a mom. What was I thinking? I can't handle this. What am I going to do? And I got on the phone and I, I called my therapist because she said, these are some thoughts that could occur if yeah. you're if you're heading into. Um, Thank God you had someone on oh speed dial. I'm so grateful to her all the time. I said, I'm in a really dark place and I'm feeling like I made a mistake. And she was just there to say, it's okay. You know, I feel like and even just looking back at that time, it makes me so emotional because I feel like there are so many women who probably have that feeling who don't have someone to talk to about it and feel immense shame Yeah, that there's this like bifurcated reality that you're in in postpartum where you have so much like all-consuming love for your child. And that almost highlights the emotional distress even more. <laughs> That's exactly right. And then when you feel angry or yeah. sad, then the guilt for me immediately oh comes gosh. in and waves after that. And yeah. it's like, but I'm so lucky and I have such a oh, beautiful, yeah. healthy child. And why am I feeling this way? And yeah, it's a cyclical. Yeah. And the only way that you can get through it, at least the only way that I was able to get through it was to just literally ride the waves, mm. you know, not, um, not try to talk myself out of dark thoughts or not mm. try to push and want a dark period to be over sooner, you know? And yeah. Did you experience any like negative thoughts about the baby or, or about harming yourself or like how deep did it go? I luckily, I mean, I was on the lookout for that. Yeah. Um, and luckily it, my thoughts never went to him. You know, it was, I only ever was just in love and um, I felt very connected to him. I didn't have a lot of thoughts of self-harm because it was like his needs were so strong for me in that, in those early days that I didn't really go there. But what I was, what I was feeling was a really kind of dark fear. Like my life is over. Mm. Everything that I wanted is gone. I'm not going to be able to have any of those things anymore. And what I did feel was not towards, not towards my son, but I think just towards life, I felt this resentment, you know, mm. like um, the universe had tricked me or something into yeah. thinking, oh God, like I really wanted this. Was I crazy? Was I, was it selfish? Was I just, was I thinking of this in an irresponsible way? Like, mm -hmm. was I really not understanding the weight of this choice, you know? 
and I think a lot of, in a lot of ways that was true. I don't think that I mean before obviously before you have a baby, there's no way to really understand the weight that comes with holding your child in your hands, mm-hmm. especially when they're a newborn. And they're just a nonstop personification of a need. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's you know? exactly right. Yeah. So But that's I, so important what you said, mm-hmm. I think, because so many people feel that way. Yeah. Who am I now? Because this person Mm -hmm. is going to be with you for at least 18 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And there you go. You know, Mm -hmm. there's something really, really cool about that. Oh, my little buddy I got now. But Mm -hmm. also, wow, this is this is it. Yeah. Like, this is it for me. I'm a mom now. I can't think about things in the same way anymore. Yeah. I don't have time. No. And managing time. I mean, I get more done in 20 minutes now than I got done in a week before. That is really feels like the truth. And that is the, you know, to sort of bring it out of the dark tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, I was in that extremely dark place. And, you know, I would look at like, I, one thing I wanted to do Mother's Day, my first Mother's Day, which was that would have been 10, 11, 10 days postpartum for me in the thick of it. Mm. I told my mom and my sisters came up to see me and um, they said, what do you want to do for Mother's Day? And I said, I just want to walk to the coffee shop. Hey, it's Christy just interrupting this conversation real quick to remind you that there's a very, very, very valuable resource that I've made for you. It's our website, birthshow.com. I've recently added videos to the labor and delivery page, a three series online birth class taught by a great educator and midwife, Holiday Tyson. My husband and I found this birth class so helpful when we were preparing for having a baby. And she talks about some stuff on this online class that we never heard about in the birth class that we attended at our hospital. It's so good. You can see what I packed in my hospital bag, which items my postpartum nurse gave me to help me with healing, what breastfeeding and bottle feeding supplies I highly recommend, birthshow.com. Go check it out and send a link to anyone you know who might be preparing to give birth and are wondering how best to be equipped and prepared for that birthshow.com and I said I just want to walk to the coffee shop that's all I want yeah. please <laughs> they all helped me I had you know I had my son in, in my baby Catan and we walked they all walked me down the stairs and I remember standing in the coffee shop just looking at these people typing on their laptops thinking oh my god I'm never going to have that again. <laughs> I'm never going to just be able to sit and do nothing at a coffee shop. I literally, I'm laughing because I literally told my husband like three weeks ago, I saw someone walk, this this girl walk out of her house, just like slowly strolling. And I was walking with my son and we kind of had a parallel walk. Mm-hmm. And I was going to Starbucks because I was in great need of caffeine and yeah. I've been up since like 5 a.m. And she was just like, la, la, just like ordering her coffee and sits down, like swiping on her phone. And I just remember having a very similar thought, which like yeah. I wanted to be like, hey, excuse me, like you have no, no idea, idea how easy and breezy your life is. Oh, yeah. And um, to... To be where I am now, and I think this has been at this point, you know, my my son is nine months old. He just turned nine months. 
And to just look back at that, at that me that was just dying, literally dying. The old me was just actively dying and leaving my body and just feeling like I'm never, I think that this is just my life now, you know. I can look back and just tell that person, you have no idea the capacity that you're building mm. in those dark moments, you know, like like you were saying, you know, I feel like I'm able to do so much more now mm-hmm. when I thought that I was just going to be limited forever. Yeah, there's limitations, obviously, mm-hmm. that come with being a parent, but I don't feel like less of myself anymore. I just feel like a fuller version of myself. Mm-hmm. I look back at the me before I, you know, had my relationship or my, you know, my son and when I was just living this sort of like lonely writer's life and not seeing a human person all day long or whatever. And I think like that is a version of me. But now I feel like this integrated mm-hmm. full self that can manage things the way that I never could before I was a before I was a mother. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like there's no you don't have time to get paralyzed in your own sort of neuroses, you know. Right. right. It's true. I yeah. remember I mean I had a vaginal birth and it was very arduous, but I remember mm. when I pushed my son out mm-hmm. One of the first things that came through my mind was nothing is ever going to scare me again. Yeah. Anytime I go into a meeting or an interview or something that's going to be used to be terrifying for me, it's like, come on. I know. I I grew a human, you know, and I'm keeping that human alive, like really well. So, yeah, it just it's it is quite amazing that the expansion that happens mm-hmm. mentally mm-hmm. and physically and the whole thing. And you just go, yeah, all right. I, I'm capable of a lot more than I ever dreamed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also the, um, it's just kind of a masterclass in having self-compassion, you know, yeah. it's for, true. Yeah. For all the ways that I can get so much done in a day, there are also so many ways that I just have to offer myself grace because you know, there were, I remember there being a day where my son was screaming and he was, this was before we sleep trained. And so he was tired and he was just cranky and angry. And I spent, God, 20 minutes searching everywhere for the binky, right? Uh-huh. The search for the binky. <laughs> and I'm, you know, frantic. I'm sweating. I have tears in my eyes. And it wasn't until I caught my reflection in the mirror that I realized I was holding it in my teeth. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, okay. All right. Give the baby the binky and just take a <laughs> breath, take a beat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you just have so many of those moments. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I feel you. I feel you. So how has your relationship with your body changed? Oh, man. It's changed a lot. I know that (laughs) that's probably a a general way of putting it, but I've struggled with body dysmorphia my whole life. And I've, I've struggled with like really negative body image and I've never been, you know, thin or, or anything like that. I've always been on the curvier side and I thought, oh, I'm going to be on the other side of having this baby and just be in awe of what my body did. And I was, and I had no patience. Hmm. I wanted the fluid to go down immediately. I wanted to fit into my clothes immediately. I wanted to 
be back in my old body immediately. And I struggled with that at the beginning. And it wasn't... um, (laughs) It wasn't until my partner and I had gone on a road trip to Colorado when my son was about three months old. And I remember being um, in downtown Boulder and I was wearing, funny enough, the jeans I have on right now. And they were just, I mean, I was forcing it. Mm -hmm. They were not fitting. I was so uncomfortable. And it was in that moment that I just heard this voice in my head say, like, go to a store and just buy a dress. Yes. Just put on a dress. Be comfortable, you know? And I'm like, fine. So I go to, I mean, the the, the nearest buy place was Urban Outfitters. And I'm like, they're definitely going to have some kind of big flowy maxi in there. And I tried on the medium and then I tried on the large and then I tried on the extra large, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just said, screw it. I just want to be comfortable. And it wasn't until I just let myself be comfortable that that all started to change Mm -hmm. that pushing against my body and wanting to be smaller and wanting to get back into who I was before, which is not possible. Right. And I was, I was realizing that that's what it was really about. It was about wanting anything to just feel familiar Mm. and feel like my old life. And I just had to let it go. And once I did, I started feeling so much better. I was able to get out and go on walks and I could, I could catch my body in the mirror and not be like, Oh my God, Oh, Mm. what do I need to go? I need to start working out right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And just thinking like, this is a special time. I'm not going to have these special postpartum months. And do I want to spend it being angry at my body for not quote cooperating with what I want? Or do I want to spend it enjoying these little moments of my baby being so tiny, Mm -hmm. which was another piece of advice I had gotten from my therapist, which was just like, it's going to feel so infinite. Mm -hmm. Those tiny moments being up at night and, you know, breastfeeding around the clock. And she said, really soak up as much sweetness as you can because it's over so fast. Mm -hmm. And it's, she's so right. And I'm so glad that I held on to that advice because I look back now at those early, early days and just think, God, I'm really glad I spent some of that time being present because it really is so special. And I find myself missing it already. Yeah, um, it is yeah. true. It goes, it feel it's the longest, shortest year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the so longest, true. shortest year. I mean, I definitely in the, the first week of my postpartum experience, I felt so happy because I felt so present yeah. and so in the moment. Yeah. And I didn't make the connection till later, but I'm an actress. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I love the most. It makes me feel so happy when I'm acting is because I forget myself a little yeah. bit. And it's so present in the moment that I had that feeling in the very early days. I didn't start getting depressed till way later. Oh, wow. And I don't think that there's a timeline with no. postpartum depression, Mm-mm. but I didn't know that. I thought, oh, I'm through the, I'm, I'm cleared, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm good. Um, it didn't hit me till like four or five months. Mm. And I had to remind myself constantly, stay present, stay yeah. in the moment, just appreciate a similar yeah. thing to what you're saying, like just appreciate what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And now I look at the photos from back then and it's like, 
it's crazy how quickly he's grown up. I feel like I have a child now and not a baby, you know, the same way. And it's nuts how fast that went. Yeah. And also another piece of good advice that I got (laughs) that I keep thinking about all the time is uh, before I got pregnant, someone said to me, well, you know, pregnancy weight is basically nine months on nine months off. Mm hmm. It really just does take time and yeah. some kindness of to yourself mm-hmm. and some self-love and yeah. patience. Oh, yeah. The patience. Yeah. It's a master class in patience as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is. I do want to talk about sex. Yeah. Uh, postpartum. Yeah. Because it's something that no one ever talked to me about Mm-mm. their experience. Nobody talks about it. And... I found it to be a very difficult journey for me personally. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we had different types of birth, but I would like to know your experience of what was sex like postpartum? What was it like the first time you tried? And what was your experience with having sex after having a baby? It was, um, you know, it was in a lot of ways, I think that, and I could be very wrong. I'm sure there are a lot of women who have the experience of of difficulty after C-section. But the beauty of a C-section is that your vagina and cervix and everything kind of remain untouched, you know. And so there wasn't a lot of – I didn't have pain. Um, I didn't have challenges in that way. I did have a lot of um, – loss of feeling just because of the nerves being cut kind of Mm. so close to all of that really beautiful sensitive skin of the vagina you know um i didn't lose feeling in you know in my clitoris or anything like that but there was definitely a lot of loss of sensation throughout this entire area was that temporary it was temporary okay okay um and very normal and so that was a little bit odd and I think for me, it was, it was, the challenge was more kind of mental. You know, I, I didn't really want to have sex right away. Even Mm -hmm. when I was cleared to have sex by my doctor. When did your doctor clear you? She cleared me after six weeks. Okay. And I said, you know, is it, is it normal that I just don't, I have no desire It's normal. You know, and yeah, she (laughs) said, oh my gosh. Yeah. It may not, it may, what did she say? She said it may it could be as long as a year before you feel ready. That's um, great that you had a doctor that told you that. Yeah. Because I did not have an experience with a doctor that made that feel normal. Oh, yeah. She said, don't don't worry. It can last that long. And she said, and you can tell your partner I said so. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And he was very, very understanding and supportive throughout that entire time. And I really needed to rediscover what sexuality even was for me after going through the process of being pregnant and having a baby and feeling like my body is not for me right now. Yes. I remember the first time that we had sex postpartum. I remember thinking, what are my breasts now? You know, these are, I was just breastfeeding my baby and now these are supposed to be sexy. I don't really, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this transition right now. <laughs> you know, it's very confusing. It's very confusing. Because it's also strange if that was a, a, a really a Roger's zone for you. Yeah. 
And then you're feeding your baby mm-hmm. and the the nature of birth is sexual, I believe. Absolutely. It's the, you know, finality mm-hmm. of the sexual act. Yeah. But going back after yeah. that and then I had a similar thing where it's sort of like, well, my boobs don't really they don't really belong to me. Yeah. They belong to my son. Absolutely. And that's weird. Yeah. Like, I don't like that, but that's just the way it is right now. Yeah. And it's like, it's just a complicated emotion when they're It touched. really is. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And at three months postpartum, once we had come home from that road trip, um, I actually sought out um, a sexological body worker to just to sit down and talk to me about what was happening um, with my sexual body how I had been feeling really kind of turned off. And it was really fascinating. And I've, I'm, I've been drawn to energetic and spiritual work in this way for my whole life, really. And um, he spoke to me about how when women have a C-section, it's almost like cutting your energy off. Oh, wow. From, you know, your kind of that sacral chakra down. And so I, I had a session with him to sort of reconnect these energy tethers, you know, throughout this central column. And it was a really deep and really powerful experience. And I'm so happy that I did it looking back because it it really did feel that that sensation of being cut open and having that nerve, that temporary nerve kind of loss yeah. really made me feel like cut in half. Yeah. You know, my yeah. my bottom half was paused. And I'm really, really happy for um, that experience. And if that's something that any yeah. woman who has had a C-section or even a vaginal birth yeah. um, can do and is open to doing, yeah. I highly, highly recommend that once you get the clearance from your doctor to get back into. I think that's know. amazing. I think that shows real self-care mm-hmm. that you sought someone out for yeah. that because I struggled a lot with healing. I had an episiotomy because oh, I they had to get him out quickly with yeah. a vacuum. And um, oh and I was not <laughs> I was not prepared for the healing process yeah. of that at all. And I'm just now it's it, funnily enough, like just now doing research on there's physical therapists that actually help you with your scars, like working your scars, yeah. like that specialize in sexual healing. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm, I'm learning more about it, but yeah. I'm really interested in learning about that as a resource. I'm so grateful. So, so grateful that I found him and just so grateful for that one session. Amazing. It really opened me up and it also healed a lot of, you know, some of the residual stuff I had around sex even b- before becoming a mom, mm-hmm. you know, from those dating years or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, oh, we all carry those. We all carry that. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to share um, that you can advise anybody? Looking back just from my – this is solely my own experience. I don't know that I – that this is like, you know, every single mom should do this, but mm. – Looking back, if I could do one thing differently, it would be to start my baby on like supporting him more in his sleep earlier on in the newborn phase when I was approaching getting ready to sleep train because he just had such a hard time sleeping. I found this incredible woman who her entire platform and everything is about baby sleep and how important it is. And she has classes that 
begin at like two and three weeks. Oh, wow. Assisting your newborn and, and um, you know, assisting your child with sleeping. It's at that really, really, really young, brand new time. And yeah. I wish I would have done that looking back because he, my son specifically, really struggled with napping, really struggled with sleep. Did you co-sleep? or We did co-sleep. Okay. But he was only, I mean, the, in the newborn phase, obviously, it's really, it's yeah. normal for them to be waking up every yeah. two hours or yeah, so. Yeah, they have but, to eat anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, as we started coming into one month and two months, he wasn't getting any long stretches. Hmm. And I just thought it was normal. But once we got to like three and four months and then the, that sleep regression hit. Yeah, that's the worst. It was like the newborn phase all over again, except with a almost five-month-old Wow. And then my, my milk ended up drying up right around that same time. Mm. And that was my clue into, I was sent this inform the information of, um, you know, this woman's classes and I took it and followed the class to a T and it was like, after he was sleep trained and was sleeping through the night, that very first night, it was like having a brand new baby. Mm, yeah, they yeah. need sleep. They need sleep. I've from experience too. understand mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And so though, I, you know, there was there's a lot of charge around sleep training and around whether or not that's a choice that you want to make for, you know, and it's every mom's choice, whether yeah. they want to do it or not. Yeah. Um, for us specifically, it was not just a gift to my child, but I was a better mom mm -hmm. with the sleep. Period. Yeah, I was. I felt like that too, and I felt like I was a better partner and a better partner. <laughs> um, oh, and I will say one more thing. Yeah, um, that I, you know, I take this for granted because I had such a wonderful therapist. But I will say to any mom that's struggling with PPD or mm -hmm. depression or anything like that, it's kind of a disclaimer I give to all of my mom friends that it is okay to start medication. That there are there are medications that you can take that you don't have to be on forever that you can wean off when you're ready under the supervision of your doctor that aren't going to affect breastfeeding. My therapist told me that because my fear was I can't do this because it's going to affect my milk or it's going to get into my baby system and I don't want any of that. Right. And she assured me that's not the case and that I was able to wean off when I needed to and it wasn't going to need to be on them forever and it was so soothing to me at that time, you know, to know that there may be someone who's wondering about it that doesn't yeah. have that guidance. It really is possible to get that support because it was invaluable to me and still is. I mean, I'm in a wean off process right now, but I would not have been able to do life yeah. in those early days without that, 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 I mean, it's really just a tool, you know? Yes. So it's just a help. That's yeah. really good advice. Exactly. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to my guests this week. Honestly, every time I sit down and have a conversation with a new mom, I learn so much. I laugh so much. I feel more connected. I feel more encouraged. The fact that my guests are so willing to open up themselves and share the intimate details of their life, I feel so blessed and so honored. And today's guest is no exception. Wow. Thank you to her. Click on the show notes today in the episode description to find information about the baby sleep class that she mentioned and also information about the sexological body worker. 
that she went to to get some energy healing for her c-section scar if any of you think that that's something that might be helpful to you then you can click on the links and be directed to those resources if you want to support the show the best way to do that is leave me a review and rate the show i'm telling you this is like the highlight of my week is seeing your reviews and your ratings. It validates that I'm on the right path. And I thank you so much for showing me your support in that way. If you'd like to support in another way, share the show with your friends or buy me a cup of coffee. There's a link in the show notes also that is an easy way to do that. It's a one-click, one-time donation situation. You don't have to subscribe. It's just a way to give back. Thank you so much for joining us. I love you and I'm so happy you're here and you're a part of this community. My name is Christy Williams and I can't wait to be with you again next week. This is a Sync Studios production.